Welcome to Ambassadors Worship Center, everybody, and especially everyone watching us online. We are so awesomely blessed that you would take time out of your day to spend it with us. Amen. Amen. We say good morning also to Pastor Linnell, who's here with me, and blessing to have her. Blessing to have you. We're in this, we're in this very credible series, just a little less monitor, guys. We're here in this uh, amazing, credible uh, series on relationships. And today I'm going to be talking about the fabulous five, the fabulous five. Uh, so right up front, I got two videos in this that the media team is going to help me with. I have two videos in this, in this particular teaching today that I want to show you. First of all, the, the first video is going to be uh, just a moment. We'll start with it. It's about the fabulous five. Now, for those of you who don't like sports metaphors and you're not sports people and you don't like those examples, please forgive Pastor this morning. Uh, uh, my training is in sports management and uh, the Fab Five in 1990, uh, five guys were recruited to play basketball. And they were such a phenomenon in, in the field that all of us sports people, we were studying them at the time. I was working in the athletic department at, uh, and, and uh, recreation department at University of Southern, I mean, you, I'm sorry, UNO. Wow. Uh, University of Nebraska at Omaha, not University of Southern Mississippi. But uh, I was working there and all of us were watching this phenomenon that was happening in sports, happening in particular in basketball, and it literally, what these five guys did in college basketball changed the whole game. Changed recruitment, changed dressing, changed attitude, changed practices, changed how the game was played, changed everything. And I want you to, their video is really short, it's only about a minute, so we're gonna play it and let you, uh, let you see it. So that's the Fab Five. That's the Fab Five. And what was so unique about these guys was that for the first time, five team members got together without the coach's involvement. And they talked about what each other's strengths were. I do this, you do that. You do that, you do this. This is what we do comfortably. They decided, number two, we're going to trust in each other's gifts. We're not going to try to be something we're not on the court. I'm boring you already. Okay, so this is your gift, Mr. Webb. You're the big guy. Stay in the paint. Don't be out here trying to shoot threes. 
So because they knew their gifts, respected each other's gifts, and stayed out of the way of each other's gifts, there was an amazing thing that would happen on the court. Jalen Rose would throw a pass up and not even look because he knew where Webb was. They won so many games. Now, you, those of you who were, I was talking to Catlin this morning, I'm like, I'm texting him about Fab Five, and he has this blank look on his face, and I said, oh, you were in elementary school, weren't you? <laughs> well, the, these amazing players were so good, they coached themselves on the court. Coach didn't have to be very much involved. Because these guys knew what they were doing. As a matter of fact, they would show up for game time in different uniforms. And they had all agreed on what they were going to wear. They changed their shoes, their socks, and everything. And everybody's looking, we don't do this in the NCAA. And coach says, leave them alone. They're playing the game. They changed the whole way everything has been done. And everyone has been following that ever since. Five guys who knew who they were and they knew who everyone else was and they respected each other's gifts. Fabulous. So they were called the Fab Five. Now, I want to show you another video. It's a little bit longer and I'm showing this one because I know how this goes and I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Tell Sister Girl I'm getting there and Brother Ray I'm getting there. I'm coming right now. Anytime you teach these kind of sermons, the first thing that, uh, teachings, the first thing that comes up is, stay out of my life, this is none of your business, leave me alone. Okay? So, I want to play another video for you that's not me, <laughs> telling you why I have to teach on this. Alright, so watch this one. Take a look at this Abraham Lincoln quote. And think about it. Give me six hours to chop down a tree, and I will spend the first four sharpening the axe. Whenever you set out to achieve something, it might come in handy to invest a lot in the tools that you're going to be using. When one has a goal, one should devote resources to the means one uses for achieving this goal. Let's say that our goal is to have a good life. Were we to apply Lincoln's lesson to this goal, what would that amount to? Got it? What do you think? It's your lucky day. I thought really hard about these issues. The answers might surprise you. What instruments are available for living better? Whatever that means exactly. And how can we enhance them? The most important tool at our disposal for living a better life is other people. The people we surround ourselves with are the biggest influence on our behaviour, attitudes and results. Who you are around, what they've got you thinking, saying, doing and becoming sets the course of your life. In the words of motivational speaker Jim Rohn, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. The people you spend the most time with shape who you are. They determine what conversations dominate your attention. They affect which attitudes and behaviours you are regularly exposed. Eventually, you start to think like they think and behave like they behave. As Darren Hardy writes in The Compound Effect, according to research by social psychologist Dr. David McClelland of Harvard, 
The people you habitually associate with determine as much as 95% of your success or failure in life. Wow. That's huge. And it has important consequences. The dream in your heart may be bigger than the environment in which you find yourself. Sometimes you have to get out of that environment to see that dream fulfilled. It's a fact of life that some people hold us back, while others propel us forward. That's just the way it is. So you might as well accept it and learn how to deal with it instead of wishing that reality was different. For instance, you can't hang out with negative people and expect to have a positive life. More importantly, if you do all the right things, but don't get around people who hold you to a higher standard, then you are more likely to fail. The lesson here is to actively construct your social environment. Don't let it depend on proximity or chance or on how it has always been, but consciously plan which options, attitudes and life philosophies you do and do not allow to be in your life. These days, people are keen to emphasize that everyone lives in his or her own bubble. In that case, we might as well try to make sure that our bubble is the one that rises highest, the one that makes us reach our goals. Let's take the final step. We started by comparing living well with chopping down Lincoln's tree, but now we can reformulate that. Instead of trying to chop down a tree, we are trying to live well, and instead of sharpening our axe, we are assembling our team. At this point, you probably want to know how to select team members, which criteria to use for engineering your social context. Be that as it may, the goal of this video is to make you think about that. And I don't write life hacky stuff, so I can't give you a concrete action plan here. Moreover, I'm of the opinion that what it means to win the game of life depends on you. By extension, what the best people to surround yourself with will be like depends on you as well. Therefore, that's for you to figure out. That said, I would like to propose one guiding principle that you can use in deciding your criteria for picking teammates. Surround yourself with people you admire. We become like the people that we choose to expose ourselves to. It follows that you can accelerate your personal growth in whatever direction you desire by spending time with people who already are who you want to become. That will infect you with the behaviours and attitudes that help them achieve their success, making it more likely that you will realise similar results in your life. So ask yourself, who do you spend the most time with? Who are the people you most admire? Are those two groups of people the same? Why not? What do you think? <clears throat> who do you spend the most time with? And all those are the people you admire. 93 to 95% of your life will be determined by who you spend your time with. So determining who you spend your time with decides your life. Did you? So that's why I want to teach you. He said... I'm not going to give you parameters or give you a guideline on what to choose and how to choose. I want to make that attempt today. 
So in your notes today, help me out. As I go through the five types of relationships that I believe you should form, I want you to begin to write down the names of people you spend time talking about these five things. Hmm. <laughs> yes. At the end of this sermon, you're either going to have a great lunch or you're going to start a fasting program to change your life. <laughs> Makes no sense to talk to broke people about money or divorced people about marriage. Okay. So, here are the phrases that you can hear when you start talking about these subjects. Y'all ready? Here are the phrases you can hear. You can hear, it's none of your business. And I spend a lot of time talking to people, and I often misjudge how they're thinking. And I don't know I'm up against something until they finally tell me these words. How many of you have hit walls like this with people that you thought you were in relationship with? Hmm? How many of you have heard this? It's none of your business. How many of you have heard, you are not my daddy or you are not my mama? How many, how many of you have heard, just leave me alone? Right? Next, how many of you, how many of you have heard this? Stop being so nosy. Why are you so nosy? Why are you always in my business? And this one is, I'm so tired of your questions. So tired of your questions. And the last one, you can't tell me how to live my life. Don't tell me how to live my life. Here's the one question I want you to write down that's so important. Because this is where I get stuck. Especially when there's an opportunity for someone to help me or me to help someone. Here's the question. Who have you given permission to? Who have you given permission to? to be involved in your life? Who have you given permission to to be involved in your life? In other words, who can challenge you? Who can be in your business? Who can ask you the difficult questions? Who will you listen to when they challenge you? She looked at her husband and said, yeah, who? Tell me. Who do you listen to? <laughs> Here's the point. You need to find, I believe you need to, and this is on study now, not just guessing. I studied this a long time ago because I was really in trouble. I was in trouble everywhere. I was in trouble in my family. I was in trouble financially. I was in trouble with my health. I was in trouble everywhere. And I had to get answers. What kind of relationships do I need to be successful? Y'all here? I can tell you're here. I needed five relationships. Five relationships. Serious, scientific. I needed these relationships. I needed number one, I needed a faith builder. I needed a faith builder in my life, number one. I needed, I needed a form shaper. And I'll, I'll describe these people to you later. I needed a form shaper. Third, I needed a fitness coach. 
I'm going to explain all this to you. People are like, oh, Lord, I got to go to gym at five. Fitness is more than just your body. It's your mind first. But, but yeah, we got to do something about this, y'all. I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> I just heard a lady in her mind. She just said, leave me alone. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> okay. I needed a financial mentor. I needed a financial mentor, and I needed a family model. I needed a family. What are they? Read them again. Faith builder. Form shaper. Fitness coach. Financial mentor. Family model. And as soon as I chose these people and asked them to help me, I am now giving them permission to challenge everything I do. I'm giving them permission to step into my life. And because I give them permission to step into my life, their job is not to make me feel good. Their job is to make sure they're doing their job and helping me get where I'm going. Am I making sense? The kingdom is really built on relationships. It's built on who you choose to open your life up to. And this is why, this is why it's so important that we do worship. We do worship here, not because it's some, we do worship so you can open up your spirit and you can forgive. You can get healed in worship. We don't just do 25 minutes of worship. We're not singing. Y'all sing too long. You don't get it yet. We're worshiping the free you. Worship is anesthesia. So you can take what I'm doing. So people didn't, who didn't really get into worship, they're like, what are we doing now? Now we got a preacher yelling at us. No, I'm trying to take your tooth out. If you had let me give you the Novocaine first, it, you know, you'd be cool. <laughs> Novocaine doc, still use that? She's like, no, pastor. We've, we're so far past that now. So let's talk about the faith builder. The faith builder. Now, Anytime someone is getting ready to challenge you in your faith, and I'm going to describe it, the words you can typically hear are these. Are they up on the screen? Put up the faith builder. What do they usually say when a faith builder steps into their life? What does it say? What I believe is none of your concern. What I believe about God is none of your concern. What I, believe, what I believe about heaven or hell is none of your concern. What I believe about Jesus is none of your concern. What I believe about prayer is none of your concern. Get it. My question is, whose concern is it then? Who in your life has the right to say to you, Martin, my mentor told me, you say you're a man of faith. You're not a man of faith, and I can tell that you're not. Like, what did I do? He said, nothing. People of faith always get a word from God, and they act on it. I can tell you don't have faith. He's in my face. My problem, I hated him too in that moment. But I had given him permission to challenge me. He said, Martin, who's going who's, who's gonna to be able to tell you, you say you're a person of faith, but you never do anything. And now you're making excuses for not doing anything. Now, can you take that from everybody? No, you can't. I can't either. But I had given him permission 
to challenge my faith. Here's, here's some great stuff that comes up about faith. This is Jesus, but I'm going to get out of Jesus in just a minute. Jesus, Jesus said these words in the Message Bible in, in Matthew 17, uh, 17 and 18. You got to read it. It's amazing how Jesus looked at this whole thing. Jesus said, what a generation. What a generation we're in. He said, it's nonsense. It's no sense of God at all. In this generation, he said, okay, let me, I should have set this up. There was a man, there was a man who had a child that was demon-possessed. And they brought him to Jesus' disciples. The disciples couldn't do anything with this kid, right? So the disciples brought the kid to Jesus. And so Jesus is now with his disciples who have given him permission to discipline them. Right? Y'all here? Look at me now. He says, he says, he says, Jesus said, read it with me. What a generation. No sense of God. Read with me. No focus on your lives. How many times do I have to go over? (laughs) Jesus is mad. Come on. How much longer do I have to put up with this? Bring the boy to me. Bring him to me. I done trained y'all. I done told y'all what to do. I done bought you the three-piece suit and the socks and the snakeskin shoe. I've given you a bottle of oil and a bottle of water from the Jordan. I've given you everything. I set up your Facebook, your Instagram, your YouTube. I have put you in place. And now I done showed you how to lay hands on people, shabba da da ba, cast a demon out. And now at the end of all this, not now one of y'all could take care of this. Where is your faith? Who in your life can stand up to you and tell you that your breath stinks? Who in your life can tell you, you say you're a man of faith. You're not acting like it. You're not a person of faith if you only come to church when you serve. You're not a person of faith if you can enjoy ball games and everything else more than you enjoy the presence of God. You're not a person of faith. And now, if you're saying to me, you can't talk to me, you gave me permission to stand here, so bruh gonna stand here. I ain't gotta be your pastor, but I'm gonna tell you the truth. You ain't got, you, you're not a person of faith if you can say, I don't go to church, but I love God. Well, his, Jesus died for the church. Ask your neighbor, what? People are people of faith, but they stop tithing when they get a house note. Now, that's what my mentor did to me. He got in my face. Now I've got to make a decision. He is a person I admire. I want to live like him. So am I going to do what he says? Come on, church. Come on, church. Come on, church. Come on, church. Am I going to do what he says? Am I going to handle this or I'm going to lose my mentor? Because he wasn't the type guy that would keep walking with me and I'm acting idiotic. Let me tell you what an idiot is. An idiot is a person that you give an assignment to them and they know how to do it, but they don't do it. But they come to you for a new assignment. <laughs> that was good to me. 
An idiot is not what people tell you. It's a person that's been given an assignment by somebody who told them to do something. They don't do it, but they come back and say, what do you want me to do next? Anybody up in this church here this morning? Who can challenge you in your faith? But I said I wasn't going to talk about Jesus because somebody, I hear you. I hear you in my head. You say, well, Jesus can talk to me any day. I'll hear from Jesus. I just don't want to hear from you. Okay, hold up. Mm -mm. Because Jesus died on the cross. He's in spirit right now sitting next to God. He ain't going to be talking to you every day. You got to have somebody in your life. Tell your neighbor, build your team. Watch, it. Watch what James says. James is talking to his friends. James says, in, in James 2, 17, he says, even so, faith, if it has not works, it's dead. <laughs> this, this is crazy. He says, he says, if you don't have it, if you don't have faith, it's, be, it's proven in that you're not doing anything good in the world. Watch what Peter said, some believe, in Hebrews eleven six. He that cometh to God must believe that God is and that he's a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Martin, you say you believe in God. You believe in God. You believe that he can, that he can bring you out of anything, that he can supply for you, but your life says you don't trust him. So, Martin, you've got to straighten out your life. You've got to deal with the unbelief in your own heart. And you've got to build your faith. But now I've given him permission. Y'all okay? You okay, right? You okay? Smile, please. Okay, so watch this now. Watch this now. I said a form shaper. You, You get a faith builder? You got that? A form shaper. Listen. A form shaper helps you discover purpose, calling, and demands personal growth and development. A form shaper will make sure that you're discovering who you really are. A form shaper will teach you and demand that you ignore people who have influence over you. A form shaper will also insist on your personal development. A form shaper will not allow you to blame others. But will make you take responsibility for your own life. It's a form shaper. Oh, God. Now, now, now watch this. Now, this is a good one now. You're building a team. You're building a team. You got a faith builder. You got somebody that you've given permission to challenge you in your faith. Challenge you in your faith. Now, you married this girl. You married this girl. This girl, I'm getting down to my family mentor. 23, 25 years ago, my marriage mentor said, you married this girl. You went to her daddy's house and asked him to give her to you. (laughs) He gave her to you. 
and now you thinking about bringing her back? <laughs> he says, that ain't what a man does. He said, you're going to have to figure this out. I said, okay, I don't know, you know, I didn't have a daddy to teach me that. How does this work? He said, I'm going to tell you exactly what to do, and if you don't do exactly what I tell you, when I tell you, I'm out of your life. Hey, please don't leave me. It's like, I don't know what to do. Forget her, he said, and build yourself. It ain't ever been about her. It's been about you, your weakness, what you don't know, what you don't know how to do. It's in your own mind. It's how you've been trained to see women. It's how you were trained in church. She is not the problem. You is. I'm like, man, he said, you are the issue. He said, you don't know what a woman is. Somebody say hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, say, if it's your first time, he is like this all the time, all the time. <laughs> watch what Tim says. Timothy, watch what Paul says to Timothy. Timothy had given Paul permission to disciple him. And Paul goes off to help Timothy develop as a person. Watch what he says. Now, let me set this up. This, this is 1 Timothy 4.12. Lord, I don't want to get too behind myself. Uh, Timothy was a little boy. He was, uh, he was, under, tw in his, he was uh, under 20. And Paul picked him to mentor. But when Timothy would go before the older people, the older people would say, you're too young to talk to us. You ain't got enough experience to talk to us. You, you don't have enough money. He, the rich people told Timothy, study it. The rich people told Timothy, you don't have enough money to tell us nothing about money. When you talk to married people, they would say, uh, you ain't married. What could you tell us about family? So Timothy started to back up in his leadership. Paul went and grabbed him by the ears. Come here, let me show what he did. Come here. No, I better not get, yeah, I'll do it to you. Paul said, <laughs> grabbed him by the ears, put his face in his face, and listen to what he told him. He says, now, let no one despise your youth. You better be listening to me, boy. Don't let nobody despise your youth, but be an example. Listen to what he says. Be an example of what? To the believers in what? That's a tall order. You're asking this little kid to be the example of the, to the body in word, in faith, in spirit, in his soul. This means you're going to have to develop. How many kids in elementary school make it to the, make it to the football team uh, uh, in middle school? They all want to play. How many make it? Very low percentage. How many kids in the middle, on the middle school, team, school team uh, makes the varsity team in high school? How many kids on the varsity team make it to college? How many kids that make it to college make it to the pros? 
one half of 1% of that kid that was in a a school, make it to the pros. They don't because every level weeds out. And when you hit your capacity, the coach will stop coaching you. That's why I never let any of my coaches feel like I reached my capacity. Never, ever, ever. My life depends on playing on this team. Because I ain't got no, I don't have any strong men in my life. And I don't have any strong men in my church. I don't have any strong men in my neighborhood that I have access to. The only strong men in this community is on this here football team. And I got to stay on this football team if I'm going to have a shot at life. So I'm going to live, I'm going to run on the sand. I'm going to lift bricks. I'm going to do something so I don't get kicked off this team. But to be on this team, they curse you out. They call you names. I bet you if your mama had a biscuit in front of you, you would do a push-up. And I saw boys on the team. Uh, you talking about my mama. I'm going home. Go home. Because on Friday night, y'all don't play football in the Midwest. I'm telling you. Down south, it's Friday night lights. On Friday night, we're going to have some monsters on the other end of that team. On the other end of this field. They're not mama's boys. They play the game. And if you're going to run away with me at practice, once one of them boys slap you in the mouth, you're going to run the sideline up in the stands and sit in your mama's lap. Can't have it. Okay, y'all, 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 y'all don't want to deal with me today. I, I know somebody told you, Jesus just loves you. Jesus just loves you. Jesus is going to do stuff with you. Jesus going to, listen, all you promise is heaven when you die. Everything on earth, you got to get it for yourself. Hey, glory to God. You, you, you got to be in position to take advantage of things that come into your life and opportunities that come in your life and God gives you people to prepare you for that. Tell your neighbor, build your team, baby. Build your team, build your team. I don't want you coming for me if I'm really in trouble. I want you to send SEAL Team 6. I want you to send a bunch of fellas that are not just in shape here. They're in shape here. They got weapons and they know what to do with it. They know who they're coming to help and they don't fight one another. And if you get one of them, you're going to get them all because they're staying there with their brothers. Disciplined people are always, they always go to the top. My question, say it out loud. Who am I going to allow to discipline me. Now, now, now I, I, I got ahead of myself again. Now watch, watch what he said. Watch what he says to Tim. He says, now, uh, listen, this is a letter. Till I come, give attention to what? Reading, exhortation to, listen to what he says. Do not, come on, read it loud. Do What'd he say? Y'all not doing it right. What y'all say? Okay, y'all got to get it right. Paul says, one thing you got to do. 
Don't let your gift go dormant. Whatever you're going to work on, work on your gift. You have a purpose, Timothy. You have a calling no one else has. Work on that. Well, Joe is Instagram, Instagram famous. So I'm going to do what Joe doing. No, Tim. Do what you're supposed to do. Work on yourself. What is your gift? Don't neglect it. Don't let it get rusty. Don't spend your whole life doing something you weren't designed to do. I don't care how much it pays. Well, I needed a job. Don't put yourself in a position to have one. Any young man I meet with, I tell him, don't put yourself in a position to have one. Keep yourself in a position to do what you're born to do. If you got to live in a box, do what you're born to do early before you get a wife. But, but, because <laughs> wives ain't living in boxes, not most of them. And they might for a minute. You marry them and they be like, yes, I can live here. But as soon as you marry them, they're going to be like, when are we moving? <laughs> and brothers don't know what to do with that. And I try to help them. This is a woman. You're making her your wife, but she is a woman first. And this here is what they do. They build nesters. They want a nest. And the worst place you can put your wife is in the house with your mama. And the worst place to put your husband is in a house with your daddy. We want to get married. First question. Well, where are you going to live? Well, mom and dad said we can live in our basement. I won't marry you. Mm-mm. Not going to have nothing to do with that foolishness. Listen to what, do not neglect your gift. Y'all okay? I'm, I'm coming, for real. Now listen to what he said. Do not neglect your gift that is in you. How? Which was given to you by, with the. He said, you, this gift didn't just come out of you. You weren't eating collard greens and, and, and turkey on a Wednesday night and oh, I got a purpose. No, that ain't how it happened. <laughs> That's not, that ain't how, hey, 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 that ain't how it happened. You were probably sitting up in a church like this in worship, listen to a guy like me. Somebody laid hands on you. Somebody prophesied to you. As a little girl, you got a dream from God. This stuff doesn't just meander into your life. It is there spontaneously by prophecy. And then somebody confirmed it, blessed you and said, there's an anointing on your life for this. Paul says you don't get this on your own. So since if 
If in, if in, if in, if in I, my Aunt Callie would say, if in I can lay hands on you and give you a gift, I sure can tell you what to do with it. You going over there doing something? I gave you the gift? I'm like, hey, 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 where you going? Well, I'm going to, you didn't talk to me about that. What is this? Then you say, you can't control my life. Say it. You can't control my life. Okay, go ahead. Because that's what I'm going to do. I ain't chasing you. Now, when you get in trouble, do not call me. Tell your neighbor, he mean it now. Somebody that was trying to help you, you were in the ditch when they found you. And they tell you what to do and mentor you. They show you what to do with your marriage. Now that you got your feet on the ground, now you can do what you want. Tell your neighbor, then go ahead then. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Y'all, okay. You don't have a wife yet. You're going to have a conversation with the wife in, in a little bit, Leon, and you're going to ask your wife about something. And she's going to say to you, go ahead. <laughs> now, go ahead don't mean... That ain't what that mean. That mean whatever you do from here on, it's on you. <laughs> Let me move on, Lord have mercy. The only way you can come back to your mentor when you've ignored them or you've said, nah, I don't really need you anymore. Because that's really what you said. Thank you for helping me, but I don't need you anymore. Your mentor will bow out. They're not going to fuss with you. Don't come back with some weird story where, you know, the Lord just... You know, I was just blinded by the devil. What no devil? You the devil here. You were the devil here. There ain't no It's the devil. It ain't the devil. It's you, oh. It's you. You decided you did not need them anymore, and you decided to walk away. The only way you can come back is in repentance. I know because I did it. I had to go back with an offering. And I had to say, I really messed that up. I really messed that up. I'm not hiding it. I won't lie to you. I never should have did what I did. I will go before the congregation. I'll go before anybody you tell me to go before. He said, that's not necessary. I said, I will do whatever, but I have to have you in my life. How many good mentors have you left with so much shame and fear that you didn't go back and fix that? I'm moving on. Say fitness coach. Fitness coach. Woo! Lord Jesus, we're halfway there, y'all. Hang on. 
<clears throat> a fitness coach, and this is what most people say when you start talking to them about fitness. What do they say? I don't have to talk to you about my life. <laughs> Some people will pay a trainer. <laughs> they'll, they'll, pay, they'll pay a sociologist, psychologist, a, 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 a counselor, or a physical trainer. They'll pay them money, <laughs> get advice, and not do it. I mean, how's this look? How's this look? Uh, Laron was coaching me. How's this look? He comes in and he tells me, this is what we're going to do today. And I say to him, no, nah, I don't want to do that today. <laughs> no, nah, I just don't, I don't feel, I don't, I don't feel like doing that today. Uh, what does that mean, Martin? I don't, I don't understand. You're paying me to get you ready for something. How are you not going to do what I'm telling you? You gave me your goals. I didn't, give, I didn't give you no goals, he said. You told me what your goals were. <laughs> I put a program together to get you to your goal. Then you made a commitment to me, not just with your money, because I don't need your money, he said. I'm in it to help you. Now, you made a commitment, you do what I say. Now you're telling me you're not going to do it. Well, I don't really have time for this. Y'all are so sober this morning. Is this okay? <laughs> Why would you do that? I can tell you why you wouldn't do what you're told. Because there's something going on inside you. I'm tired of my boss giving me a hard time. I get that all the time. I used to when I mentored people who were mad at the boss. I stopped. I, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of my boss They're always asking me to do something. And so, where's your job description? Let's read it. Let's read it. Well, it ain't got nothing to do. Well, if it don't have nothing to do with the job description, what does it have to do with? What are the hours you're supposed to be at work? Well, that ain't got nothing. No. Listen. You, you, you signed up to go to work. They're paying you by the hour or whatever. You're not going to work and you haven't been doing You got two slips where they did your evaluation and they're telling you to your face, listen, you're just not on time. We really need this, this kind of job. Well, I don't like this job. Then leave it. But don't be mad at the boss because you inside don't like to have nobody tell you what to do. If you don't want nobody to tell listen, you got kids? If you got kids and before you have any, teach them at three. Do you want it to? <laughs> you you got to teach them. You got to teach them. You got to ask them the question. Do you want a boss or do you want to be a boss? What did I say? What did I say, church? Because they're two different people. If you want a boss, we got plenty of ways to get you there. If, if you want to have a boss, we got a lot of ways to get you there. If you want to be a boss, it's one narrow strip of lane you got to walk in. So you got to tell them. Fitness coach. A fitness coach ensures planning, preparation for your physical, 
emotional and psychological to set you up for endurance and longevity. That's your fitness coach. That's your fitness coach. They're going to make sure that you're emotionally, psychologically, and physically prepared for longevity. If you don't, you can have faith and you can have purpose. But if you die because you're eating the wrong stuff, you cut your purpose short. Everybody coming for Thanksgiving this week. Everybody. And this is our excuse from Thanksgiving to New Year's Eve to just eat what we want. We don't just do it one day. Y'all know. Y'all. So Thanksgiving, we start eating what we want. We eat it till New Year's Day. Then we fast. <laughs> your, your fitness coach might say, listen, we're working on something, dude. This, I, these are the calories. Now, once you eat these calories, don't, don't do it anymore. Now, because of your blood type, you shouldn't be eating this. So when I eat it, I'm literally saying I don't want to live long enough to fulfill my purpose. That's what I'm saying. Y'all love me? That's good, but it doesn't matter right now. It's good. It's good. It, it says, I'm saying I really don't care about fulfilling my own calling. If I'm in a mental state that's not good for me, and someone, because someone did, someone said to me, they asked me the question, my, faith, how, my, my, my fitness person, how are you doing? And I said to him, I'm rarely asked that question. What does it mean? Because no one ever asked me how I'm doing. He said, how are you doing? You don't look well. You're not responding the same way you used to. What's going on with you? So talking to him, he said, you need a counselor. You need therapy. I know y'all don't like therapy in church. It's the Holy Ghost. Well, I get it. But hey, some people are gifted and anointed to help you. He said, there's some stuff you can't see and I can't see it, but a counselor will bring it out. And surely enough, they did. Saved my life. Not afraid to tell you. But what if I didn't have that person in my life with the right to say, what the blank is wrong with you? <laughs> What is going on with you? Who is that in your life? Write it down. Who is that in your life? They have permission. Now, don't write down your husband or your wife. I mean, you can write them down, but that's not who I'm talking about. Who has the right to do that for you in your life? Mm-hmm. If you ain't getting no names by these, sugar lump, you by yourself. And you're listening to your own thoughts. <laughs> and it's not the world that will take you out. It will be your thoughts that give the universe pause. <laughs> and now, Martin, nobody can check you. 
Bishop Strong called me one time. He called me one time. He said, I've been praying for you. What is going on with you? I said, I'm doing good, Bishop. He says, no, I'm feeling something. Then he put Sister Janice on the phone, his wife. When she got on the phone, I said, oh, man. <laughs> Dang. She prayed on the phone for an hour. I'm like, oh, man. It's like, it's like I'm fine. <laughs> I wasn't fine. Because my wife had called my pastor. The man she knew, I gave permission to step into my life. His last instruction, now Martin, don't bother Linnell about none of this. I said, no, sir. I so thank y'all for calling me. They kept me on the phone for three hours. Wow. Wow. Ask your neighbor, are you in shape? shape. <laughs> People said, no, you can look at me and tell I'm not in shape. We're, we're, not, we're not just talking about your body. <laughs> we got some people in here. We got trainers in here. We got gym owners. We can get you in physical shape. But if they have to fight your mental shape. Ask your neighbor, are you all right? Are you all right? Now tell them, if you're not all right, just tell somebody. If you're not okay, don't be embarrassed. Tell someone. Tell someone, I think I'm really struggling. I don't know what it is, but I'm struggling with something. Something's going on inside my mind. Leandria, Leandria last night said a phrase, and it broke me. She said, God didn't deliver me. In my right mind. I said, what? She said, God delivered me in my broken, messed up mind. God's voice came to her in the darkness of her depression. He didn't wait till she was right and fit. She said, he came to me when my mind was gone. Oh, God. Okay, okay. That's a praise break for some of us. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a praise break for some of us who were losing our minds. We didn't know we were losing our minds. We couldn't tell what was going on inside us. But somebody loved us, got in our face and said, there is something wrong with you. There's something going on with you. 